from Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and personalize our health one tip and story at a time. My guest today is Bridget Hilton, co-author of the Experiential Billionaire book, which is out now. Go check it out. Uh, her backstory is fascinating, and it jumps from helping launch careers of artists like Rihanna, The Weeknd, and Taylor Swift, to shifting into founding the first ever social goods electronic company, which helped more than 50,000 people receive the gift of hearing for the first time. But on an even larger scale, she is passionate about helping people live their most intentional, regret-free lives. As a self-proclaimed experiential guinea pig, this journey has led she and her co-author Joe Huff to experience things ranging from training to be a samurai, dancing under the Northern Lights, visiting 50 plus countries, all 50 states, and speaking on stage with Sir Richard Branson and many more. Bridget has been recognized as both Forbes and Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30, Entrepreneur Magazine's 15 Women to Watch, and has been featured on places like the Today Show, Good Morning America, the New York Times, and many more. I cannot wait to talk to her today and for you to listen to her story and hear more about her book and her message, and uh, just so excited. So Bridget, welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, of course. So first, we have to shout out Brian Groan, who connected us. So Brian, if you're listening, you're the greatest. We love you, Brian. <laughs> we love you, Brian. Um, so let's just jump in. I have so many questions and thoughts. And um, first, congrats on the book launch. Very Thank exciting. Thank you. It's um, a journey. What is an experiential billionaire? For those who are like, what does that even mean? <laughs> sure. So an experiential billionaire is someone who is building a life rich in experiences and trying to avoid regrets at the end of their life. Because the number one regret in, at the end of someone's life Three out of four people say that um, it's not living for themselves and it's not doing the things that they wanted to do. Mm. An experiential billionaire is someone that, you know, can like wake up and do the things that they want to do and not push them off into like a fictional someday, which is what most people do and what most people regret at the end of their life. Right. Wow. Um, I love that. You know, it's funny. We were talking about this a little before the recording. I feel like a huge part of my message and work that I do with people, even though it's considered or categorized as like health and wellness or health and fitness is much more around taking action and kind of having a more empowered view of your own life. And the vehicle for that, that I'm often talking about is in your physical health, mental health, emotional health. Um, but I, I just think that is such an underrated message that more people need to hear. And I also think, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, I think there are many people who genuinely get locked into their kind of bubble and there's enough stress and distraction and chaos that it's easy to forget that everything you're doing in your life is a decision you made. And so what's your take on, on, on that and kind of broadening that bubble and helping people kind of realize where they can go with it? Sure. So I think it really comes down to, you know, excuses that we make for ourselves and, and thinking that we have more time and, and not thinking of life as urgent. 
Um, so a lot of the excuses that you'll hear is something like, um, you know, I'll go do this trip or I'll go learn this thing or, you know, insert dream here. I'll do this when I'm like when the kids graduate from high school or when um, I get promoted at my job or, you know, when I retire, for example. But you actually don't know that those things are going to happen because you don't know when your life is going to end. So for me, it's all about urgency and figuring out what you want to do and then figuring out the steps that you want to take to get to that dream mm. and and not push things off to like once X happens, then this can happen. Like the things that you want, your dreams and your goals are like, that's what you should be doing. That's what you should be focusing on. Not like the everyday stuff that like sucks up your time and like doesn't really matter. You know, like create more days that don't blend in create that are like that you're going to remember for the rest of your life because this is your life you only have like right now right yeah wow (laughs) something might not happen yeah and where did this come from for you like when did you first start thinking this way where like what was that evolution like because I'm sure it happened over time yeah it's definitely it's funny. So my business partner and co-author had a very um, significant moment where it was like the near-death experience of his father that really woke him up and, um, you know, started him on this journey. And I actually didn't have that specific moment, but but what we're trying to do with the book is like give people that near-death experience without actually having that experience, like mm. give them that urgency. Because a lot of people that have these near-death experiences will wake up and then the next day they're like, I'm going to change my life because this happened. Yeah. Um, I never had that day. I actually like, um, it just came over time, you know, like when we were building Listen, for example, we were traveling around the world, giving kids hearing for the first time seeing all of these like crazy things, like these corners of the world that most people don't see. And that really like inspired me to just do more and more. Like it was just building and building. And um, and I was seeing a lot of like poverty and crazy things. And I don't know, it just really inspired me to like try to make the world a better place and try to um, have all of the experiences that I wanted to have in my life. Yeah. Wow. Tell me more about that. Like, so going, going back further. So you were working in the music industry initially. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about that, but also the transition of what you experienced in music into um, the electronics company and, and all the hearing work you were doing. I mean, that's like a drastically different <laughs> world. It is so different. It's funny. I've been thinking about that a lot. How I've had these three different, very different careers. Yeah. um, I don't know, it's interesting. But yeah, so I started in music when I was very, very young. Um, Music was my passion from when I was a child. It always felt like uh, a very safe space and kind of a chaotic childhood, I would say. Um, But it was always something that I, I could go to and I could just like, you know, put on headphones, and like listen to like my favorite band. And I felt like safe and like seen, I guess you could say. Yeah. In a world where I didn't really feel that way. Um, so my dream from a very, very young was to be in music. Um, and, you know, I live in LA now and it's very easy to see like, you know, kids having that dream, but where I'm from, that was not the case. I'm from Flint, Michigan. I didn't know anyone that had ever done anything in the entertainment industry. (laughs) Not 
close. <laughs> like my whole family works at like General Motors and places like that. Got it. Cool, but something that I never wanted to do. So music was like my, you know, beacon of light. It was like, that was like the big dream. So I started from when I was very young. I think I was like 14 when I got my first job in music. Um, I was like picking up trash at music venues and like, <laughs> like um, passing out flyers and yeah. eating, you know, coffee for people at radio stations and selling t-shirts out of like, you know, vans and stuff like that. And um, I had probably 10 of these, you know, quote unquote jobs that were very um, beginners level, but they all helped me get to like where I am today. Mm -hmm. um, so my first job at a record label was uh, an internship at Universal Music Group in, um, in Detroit, which is, you know, when they had regional offices. Yeah. Still. <laughs> it was like dating. I was going to say, I don't think they're doing that now. Yeah. <laughs> this makes me sound really old. I think it's fun. But <laughs> oh, it's great. But it was, I'm so glad that that happened because it was like the age that I should have like been in college, but I never uh, went to school because I always knew that I wanted to work in music when I was young. So instead of going to college, I, um, I basically slept in my car and like worked all of these like crappy jobs and, um, yeah, eventually led to universal. It was amazing until the office shut down. And then overnight I had to be like, well, that was my big dream. And now, um, seems like that dream is going away <laughs> unless I do something about it. Wow. What ended up happening is that I, you know, just tried and tried and tried. I was like on unemployment and I, one day got a call from uh, Warner Music Group and they needed like an assistant at their office in Burbank, California. So I basically did, you know, what everyone in LA does and like moved from another place to follow their dreams. Yeah. Something that I love about LA, by the way. Yeah. Um, and That's I'm like everybody, here. everybody in LA. That's it. Yeah. And I loved it. Like I loved, like I moved here. Like I didn't have any money. Like any, I didn't have it. Like know anyone here, but like it really like made me who I am by just moving here and like struggling and doing that whole LA follow your dreams type thing. Yeah. And I did that for a long time. And I um, I was working at uh, Universal. I went, ended up going back to Universal, and then uh, working at their headquarters in Universal City, which is now in yeah. Santa. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so um yeah I worked there for a while it was awesome I had like some really great experiences again never made like any enough money to like really function in society like over the basic needs but I was having a great time um and that's been like a theme in my life <laughs> but uh one day at work I saw a video of a woman hearing for the first time and she was like the same age as me. And it was one of those super viral, like incredible, you know, tearjerker videos. Yeah. Um, and I thought to myself, like, wow, like if I would have never been able to hear, like I wouldn't have been here, you know, like I, my life would have been completely different. It's like, so how can I help other people have this experience of hearing for the first time? And wow. at the time I thought, wow, if I could just do that for one person, like my life would be like, changed forever and I would love to see that just one time um, so long story short I decided that I would start a headphone and speaker company 
which was very naive at the time because <laughs> I didn't realize like my competitors were the biggest companies on earth you know yeah Apple. I was I was gonna say that's like extremely ambitious yeah and probably was helpful that you were kind of naive in being like I can do this like I would imagine that looking back on it was very helpful yeah like I don't think now I would do that because I would have too much experience seeing that versus I just thought oh well I'll just do this and like it can't be that hard you know yeah <laughs> I don't know why I thought that but if I would have gone to like CES, for example, you know, I would have never started Listen because I would have seen thousands of companies making similar products. Right. But the thing that we did have was like authenticity and the give back component, which we were the only people in electronics doing anything with social enterprise. Hmm. So that really helped us. And like we we went after all of these things that like the big guys like Beats or Apple or whoever weren't doing, like we were the first electronics in Whole Foods, for example. Wow. Um, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. And also coincidentally, the number one was stolen product in Whole Foods. But <laughs> Really? <laughs> I wonder why that is. Well, because it's like a big ticket. <laughs> a big ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like our product that was almost $200. So versus- uh, yeah. I mean, kale is like $200 or two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we we're going after all these like niche places that the big guys weren't like we were selling in like Nordstrom and Barney's and like more of like a fashion angle and things like that. So that's how we survived over time versus just putting us next to like a Beats and a Best Buy. Like that would have never, ever worked. Um, so it was, it was a long journey and we've been around for, uh, for 11 years. Wow. But I also think in, even in you talking about that and connecting to kind of your book and, and the message and all the experiences you've had, I have found that having these big pivots in your life, whether it's like <clears throat> work transitions or um, both of us transitioning out of the music industry, for example, into something else, it's it's very easy when you're in that to feel like, well, this ecosystem is my life and this is everything. And this is all you're thinking about. And all your friends are telling you how cool it is that you're in the music industry. And like that label is on you and your identity is wrapped into it. And it's easy to forget again, that you can just change that if you really want to. And so for example, you pivoting right into um, another company, it almost, didn't matter what that next thing was on a deeper level. It was more the reminder that you can change any time. And it becomes a little bit easier, I would imagine, pivoting out of that into what comes next because you've done it before. Yeah, it really was hard the first, like, because music was my first big dream and that's all I ever wanted. And so when I gave that up, everyone's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Me too. I get it so much. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? You were doing the coolest thing ever. It's like yeah. the most glamorous thing in the world. Yeah. I went from like literally hanging out with the biggest stars in the world to like, you know, packing boxes in my very small apartment in North Hollywood. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not glamorous at all, but I mean, that's like really the, you know, the whole premise of the book is like, I had all these rich experiences, like traveling around the world and giving back and creating things and like, you know, having my own company, like that to me is like so much more rich than like 
you know, maybe I could have succeeded in music and at some point been some, you know, executive and like making a lot of money. But like what I did instead was so much more valuable to me personally. So. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about all of these experiences because mm -hmm. I'm sure somebody listening, hearing my intro being like, what? She's done this and this. And like, what are you talking about? Like, who is this person? So walk me through this might be a weird question, but how out of these uh, wild, let's say, or rare experiences that you've had, how much of it was very methodically planned and intentional versus this is just how things have unfolded and I'm surrendering to that and going with it? Like, what is that? How does that happen actually, like tactically? I think that's a really good question. I've never been asked before. I I think probably like 50-50 intentional and then stuff just happens. Like when you're in random countries or doing things like, you know, things present themselves to you and you're just like, let's just go with it. But um, I'm honestly very, very, very intentional about the things that I do and and how my time is spent. I think time is like, the most valuable currency you know we only get so much of it and you can never replace it so it's like how do i want to spend my time so one of the exercises in our book is um is called the treasure map and it's this exercise say like your doctor calls you and he's like you have one year left to live like what would you do like if you could like sit down and think about wow now my time is like finite so instead of thinking I have all the time in the world, I only have one year. Like, what are the top 10 things that you would do, right? So I go through this exercise all the time. I first did it probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. And um, like, so I'm intentionally checking off these things that I know are important to me because I might not get tomorrow, but I will always have these experiences that I have like today, right? So I think being intentional about your time is very, very important. And and then if other things come up, then that's just bonus. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think so. So you went through this kind of treasure map of sorts or consistently do. And you say, OK, how do I go make this stuff happen? Yeah, exactly. And how do I And the other part of the exercise is like, OK, say your doctor calls again and they're like, now you only have one month to live. <laughs> Clearly a terrible time right yeah and and then the next one is how if you only had one day which obviously is the little things right it's never like I'm gonna go to Antarctica it's it's I'm gonna you know call my parents and tell them that I love them or I'm going to like you know cuddle my dog or something like that it's like why aren't you doing these things every day then if yeah. that's what you do if you had one day left but yeah. um yeah, I think planning is really the number one thing is to how to get what you want is you have to actually put these things on the calendar. And even if it's a little thing, say that like you're you really want to learn how to make like, you know, a croissant for example, just like a really random example, right? Yeah. Like that's what I want to do. Um, but then you might be like, I'll just do that someday. But if you just said today, okay, next Tuesday, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get the ingredients. I'm going to get the flour. I'm going to put it out on my counter. I'm going to tell somebody else that that's what I'm doing. And so they're going to follow up with me and be like, did you make croissants? Um, yeah. And you can do that for very, very small things, or you can do that for, for much bigger things. Like say 
you know, you want to write a book. It's like, okay. So you put it on your calendar. Like today I'm going to do like an outline of the book. I'm going to think of a title and then I'm going to like start to think about the stories in the book and how it will flow and, and just like write all of these very small steps. And then eventually you'll get to the point where you're like, I'm actually writing a book. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, I also think, you know, in my own life and in talking to you and similar, I've talked to several people, fortunately, who like what we're talking about, have been able to make these big pivots in their life. Mm-hmm. And I love the approach you're taking. But I think the the theme that I, I keep finding is people basically saying like, it doesn't just happen randomly. And you can't just dream that someday, like you're saying, this will happen. It's pretty methodical. And you have to be able to almost like harness the dream and then work backwards. And like, okay, just like any other project, like I have, there are steps to this. How do I make it happen? You know, and for some people it's leaving a job or switching industries or moving to a new place or all of those things at once or in a complete mental kind of life approach changing. But um, it is worth acknowledging that it takes work and it does take planning and it's not some random people just like, say, screw it and good luck and start over somewhere. Like you kind of have to plan it, but if you do plan it, it gets more doable and realistic and not as scary. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole movement with manifestation and visioning and all that stuff is really cool. And I love that, but you also need the tactical things. Like you actually do need to plan things. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, And people might say like, you know, I'll, do something. Oh my God, you're so lucky. And I think that that's, and I am lucky in so many ways. I'm so grateful for everything that I've done and I'm so happy in my life and grateful for everything, but it's not luck. Like if you want to do something, you have to take the steps to do it. And then you have to take action. You have to face your fears. You have to get rid of the excuses. You can't just be like, you know, someday I'm going to do this. And hopefully if I envision it enough, it'll happen. Exactly. I totally agree. I love that. Um, let's talk health and wellness and mental health, physical health, emotional health, all of that. Um, you know, so much of of this podcast is not actually nutrition and fitness and this kind of stuff. And it's kind of, that is the vehicle to this larger kind of transformation in your life. So I guess like for you, like where does health and wellness sit in all of this for you? Maybe you personally, maybe I know mental health is something you're um, pretty outspoken about. Like just what comes to mind in that that realm when I bring it up? Yeah, so there's a direct link between new experiences and health, and that's both physical and mental health. Um, there's a trait called neophilia that's linked to a longer lifespan and what neophilia is is the openness to new experiences <laughs> mm. and i love that so much that's because i didn't know about this before we read the book but um i had a very like a, an experience that was both the best and worst experience of my life in 2020 there was um a lot going on in the world, obviously, but, um, in my personal life, there was, uh, I went through a separation. I ended up moving cities. I had all of these like dominoes that like just fell, right? Like my business was suffering. We had to 
let go of multiple people that had been there for a long time. Um, we stopped traveling the world and giving hearing. So like this big, all of like the big pillars in my life fell, fell in, you know, COVID was happening and there was like a lot going on. Um, so I say it's the best experience because like what I did in that time when I was really down and really depressed, honestly, is like work on my mental health. But you know, with all of the normal things like, you know, therapy. And like, I did this incredible thing called the Hoffman Institute. And I, I did all of the things like read the self-help books, you know, <laughs> like check oh, yeah. all the mental health things. Yeah. But the other thing that I did that I don't think a lot of people know or do is like, I tried a million new things. Like I went out and I just like became like an experiential guinea pig. And I didn't know at the time that this was actually scientifically linked to, to being happier. But it, now that I wrote the book, like I know that for a fact. And like I was doing these like sciencey things without even knowing it. So like I went out, I learned how to like surf, for example. It's like wow. I'm not good at it, right? <laughs> like, but it makes me happy to do. And it made me like kind of distracted in a good way of all of these horrible things that were happening in my life. But I was like, so in the moment and like focused on learning this new thing. Um, I also went out and I started like cooking all these like random things. And like, I learned how to like, you know, cure meat. And I learned how to make wine wow. and things like this, like wow. very fun. And like, it puts you in in this mindset of like, you're learning new things, you're on this like curve, you're not thinking about all the bad things that are happening in your life. Um, and it's just like, so funny, like looking back that I just had no idea that like, that's what was going to help me get out of this like terrible place in my life. It was like, new experiences. that's really fascinating. I haven't heard of that before. Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense as you're saying it, just like in context, but that is fascinating. So you were finding trying new things for mm -hmm. no reason you're not trying to be the master of it you're not trying to be the best in this like overachiever thing that we're often pushed into it was more for the experience of it and just you noticed like a significant mental health difference I mean so significant like there was points where I was like laying on my floor like just crying for like a hundred days straight and then like once I started doing like new things like that's literally what lifted me out of this like horrible place in my life wow. um it's like very much I could like look back and see that's what happened but it, at the time I didn't really know that right yeah that's fascinating and I think it's it's it touches on everything we're talking about where it's like it's so easy especially in today's kind of quote unquote wellness world which I personally think is just like full of complete bullshit all the time where people get so many messages all the time of, well, I have to have my hour morning meditation and my collagen smoothie and my athletic greens, and I have to do this and I have to do this. And if I'm not, I'm a failure as a human being. And the reminder that we can think more broadly about what health is or what wellness is into something like learning new things and maybe creativity and kind of this playful exploration without putting pressure on ourselves. like. That is noticeably, even as I talk about it, I'm like, that's so much more beneficial for you than doing like some hit class somewhere. Like it, the hit class sounds ridiculous compared to that.
you know? I mean, if you, I would rather go outside and take a hike or like paint something, for example, like then do a hit class, right? And like, you're getting the physical and mental and creativity and like all these good things, you're learning new things that like makes you happier. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, wow, that's fascinating. So tell me more. So with the book and the message you're wanting to spread, like how has it been received? Do you have people in your life who think you are crazy do you have people in your life that are like okay this is this is nice but this is not realistic like thanks Bridget we can't all like go and swim with the sharks or whatever like what is the what has evolved with like the people in your life through this it's funny because there's a lot of positivity of course which I'm so happy about but there's also like always going to be the people that are like well why don't you just like keep you know, working full time at listen, like that was your baby. And it's like, yeah, it it is my baby and I love it. And I'm so happy that I did it. And I'm still like, we're still a business, right? But it's not my full-time job anymore because I want to do more things. I, I think that this is like what we did with giving hearing, like I will always have that experience. It was the most incredible experience in my life. But this is like a bigger idea where we're not helping like one sector, like we can help anyone, right? So we could help anyone that I meet on the street, like follow their dreams. It's like maybe cheesy as that sounds. It's like the feedback that we're getting with this is stuff like, you know, I, my dad is elderly and I took him on his, on this trip to Italy because that was his number one thing that he wanted to do before he died. It's like, that's so cool that I could like impact that person's life, you yeah. know, and I, I personally, like, I love it. I'm so excited to share this on a broader scale. I mean, the book just came out this week, so it's still very, very new, but, um, but yeah, I don't really listen to the haters and uh, I have a kind of a rule. I have a rule from, you know, back in the day when we first started getting media at listen, like, for example, we did this commercial with Google where we got like 50 million views. It was, it was amazing. But then there was like some haters in the comments, you know, said like, oh, she's just like a rich girl that can do this. And, and I literally grew up in Flint, Michigan. Like I'm not rich. Yeah. <laughs> like I never have been rich. And you just can't listen to those people because they're like the keyboard warriors. So ever since then, I haven't really like read online comments and online hate. So it's, it's all good. It doesn't affect me too much, but yeah. it is mostly positive. That's good. And I think too, you know, people are quick to come up with reasons or excuses or well of course that person can do this because of blank or that person lives in LA and they can do this thing and they live in this fake Narnia world of Los Angeles or whatever you know yeah um, but I think what you're preaching is kind of the message that like no ev a everybody's version of this is different mm -hmm. and b that you actually can if you actually want to and think about it yeah. And I'm not like ignorant to the fact that it is easier to do a lot of things here, for example, because I live in a place that I could go to the beach or I could go to the mountains or I could go to the desert, right? Like physically nature wise, it is more possible to do more things here. Yeah. But I did very intentionally move to where I live because of that. Right. So it is possible to do these things. Another thing that people say, well, oh, you don't have kids. And I'm like, but my co-author does have two small children and like they live the same exact life. It's not just 
you know, people that are single or people that like those things are harder. Sure. It's really hard to travel internationally with two kids, for example, that's expense, more expensive. It's stressful, but what you're doing with the kids is you're like showing them that things are possible and like that they're going to be better when they're adults because of these experiences. That's so true. And so much of our kind of worldview is informed at such a young age, which we all know now. Um, that is fascinating. What What about, okay, here's what I want to do. This is, this is fun. This will be fun. <laughs> For somebody listening, which I think is like many people, um, someone who might be feeling like inspired from this or curious from this or kind of like, okay, what does my version of this look like? Um, but maybe they're busy, they're stressed, money is maybe tight, and they're just trying to kind of get through the day or the week or the month, which I totally get. Um, can we walk through almost like a protocol, like a step-by-step, -step, like how would somebody like tangibly, actionably start are like digging themselves out of that and figure out what that looks like. So we have a tool in our book called low to high ROI. And I think that that's a perfect tool for anyone that's feeling that way, because a lot of people do feel that way. And life is so overwhelming, you know, like there's so many things you have to do. So especially when you have a career and children and, and all kinds of things like, you know, taking up your time. Um, so as an example, like when we at, so part of the book, we interviewed 20,000 people. Part of it is like the process of creating the book. Uh, we interviewed 20,000 people about their regrets and what they want to do most in life and, you know, why they aren't doing them. And one of the things that people wanted to do the most was go to Italy. And I thought that that was an interesting example for this. Um, wow. Really? So, Go to Italy was like top of the list. Wow. Yeah, it was like literally <laughs> the top of the list, which is interesting. But um, so say that you wanted to go to Italy, but you were like, I don't have enough money. and I don't know when I can go. I don't have enough time, blah, blah, blah. The typical excuses that people have. Um, what you can do is you can say, I'm going to go in 2025. I'm going to go in like September 2025, for example, two years from now. And so I'm going to plan, I'm going to put it on my calendar. These are the dates that I'm going to go. Um, and then in the meantime, in the next you know year, two years, I'm going to do all the little things that will benefit my life, like these smaller experiences on the way. So what you could do is you could start learning Italian. You could go on Duolingo and like start learning, you know, a few sentences that will help you when you're there. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could also start like, figuring out what regions you want to visit. Um, for me, like food, I love food. Food is like my favorite thing in the world. Um, so I would maybe like research the different regions and what they're known for. Like, mm -hmm. and you could start making those foods at home, like learning that way. And, you know, this stuff is like not expensive. It's like, you know, buy some flour, buy some tomatoes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you could like make some pizza at home, like make some homemade pasta, for example. So you're like building up these like little experiences along the way that will benefit you. Like you're learning how to cook more. You're learning how to speak a different language. And then, and then eventually you're getting to like this amazing big goal. That's like your, 
you know, the thing that you really want to do in your life. And you're going to be so much better at that point when you go versus if you just like bought a ticket tonight and went tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Or felt like, okay, well, I need X thousands of dollars. I don't have that right now. At some point, hopefully I'll have that. And then I'll think about this. Yeah. Instead you're saving along the way, right? You're not like waiting to like a fictional someday, like maybe if I win the lottery, I can go, you know, it's like, that's probably not going to happen. But um, if you start saving towards it now with like a, a hard deadline on your calendar, like by this day, I'm going to have this money. Like you're going to make it happen. Yeah. You tell your friends, like yeah. I'm going to do this in two years and they're going to be following up with you. Like, did you book that flight? Yeah, well, and the accountability of that, which I'm always talking to people about, of like the the same concept of like staying on track with your workout routine by talking to a friend or booking a class in advance or making a plan with somebody is what you're talking about. Of like, tell your friends this plan or share it publicly online somewhere or something that kind of puts you on the hook and forces you to show up for yourself. I'm big on accountability. I think. That's something that we're taught, you know, when we're really young, it's like, okay, I have to be accountable for my, you know, maybe my grades or my, you know, bank account or whatever, my bills, but like, no one is holding you accountable for your personal goals, right? Like there's no deadlines. Yeah. So something like I like to implement, like I have a list of things that I want to do that I make every single year that I like hang on my mirror. Um, And every day I look at it, I'm like, what am I doing today? That's like putting me towards that versus just saying like I want to do this someday and not like actively working towards it yeah I love it wow okay this is so helpful I feel like people listening are getting so much out of this this is great (laughs) um last concept or question that I want to touch on is just like what's your favorite chapter in the book what is something that maybe jumps out to you or that like surprised you in writing it where you're like, Oh, I didn't think I was going to get so much out of this. Like, is there anything that jumps to mind? Wow. No one's asked me about my favorite chapter. I love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all like my children, you know, I love them all, but um, (laughs) I had a lot of fun. I mean, I'm all about having fun. There's a chapter about play in the book that I love because I was like laughing the entire time when I wrote it. The book has very, very heavy overtones in a lot of the chapters because it's about death and doing the things you want to do before you die. But chapter six is about play. And I had a blast writing that, just like learning about how play, Yeah, you know, just like how important it is and like how you know, most adults don't take time to play and do things that, you know, play is something that doesn't have like a goal. It's like, I can go outside and like play catch or something or like play hide and seek. There's no like goal or no like, you know, winner in, in as far as something that matters. And I think that that stuff is really uh, important. But I yeah. also had a really good time writing the last chapter because there's a part about, there's an exercise that you do that the reader goes through with like writing their own obituary and then also thinking about your own funeral. And so I wrote what my funeral would be. And I just had like, I thought it was like the most fun part of the book. As weird as that sounds to write about your, your own oh, funeral. No, tell me more. Like, I just had a lot of fun, like thinking about like what, 
I ideally it would be like and it's it's really just comes down to like I think that those types of things in our society are so sad because it is so sad but it's also that it should be a celebration of life and not like an experience that's just around a death of someone like I would want someone to celebrate my life not be sad that it ended I mean they can be sad but I want it to be more of like this is a party that I would want to go to and so I just had a really good time writing that um, I love that can we talk a little more about play because I think what you touched on is so important and a lot of times with especially things in the health world and wellness world and all this we can get so fixated on the outcome right like I want to lose 10 pounds as quick as possible. I want to get super fit as quick as, but it's all about like, how do I get to the outcome and what you lose in that obsession, you sort of lose in that obsession is um, noticing the behaviors and the process and having fun and the enjoyment. And I'm always telling people like, if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to be consistent with it for sure. And you need consistency. So where like, walk me through play or just anything in that world. Like, I think a lot of it honestly is tied to people unlearning this kind of like overachiever mentality where they won't do something unless they can be the best at it. They're like getting out of their comfort zone with that. Yeah. I mean, I think by trying new things that you should just realize that you're not going to be the best at everything. Right. Like I, I don't think that I'm the best at anything, but I try a lot of new things. And I think that that's like where people get caught up. You're totally right. Yeah. Um, for play, I think it's, it's definitely one of my favorite subjects. Like I'm basically like a big kid, you know, <laughs> like I do all kinds of like weird stuff that like most adults wouldn't do. Uh, a quick example is like me and my friends, I have like, a bunch of girlfriends that go every single year and like go sit on Santa's lap and take a picture. <laughs> like every November we do this, we've been doing it for, this is our 14th or 15th year doing this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, these people I've known for so long at this point and, and maybe we don't hang out that much during the year, but we always make a point to do this. And it makes like this routine and this like, uh, experience every single year that we have together and then over time we can see like how our lives have changed how our families have changed yeah. always hilarious so. that, that's a perfect example I love it um and just I guess having people not take themselves so seriously all the time yeah like I love to create um like say you wanted to like you could write like a jingle for something it's like you're not trying to like win a grammy right you're just like like I had this thing um, when I was making wine during uh, the pandemic, I invited some people over and we, I made them all um, write a jingle for the wine, like the fake brand that I had. And um, like, then there was like a winner, you know, and they got like more pizza than everyone else or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah. But at that moment, it was like, why don't we do this stuff more often? Like, there's no real goal to it it's just to like laugh and have a good time and like right. that was the most memorable like wine tasting of my life right totally like <laughs> wow um one final question final question I feel like I'm just thinking like in putting this together I feel like we've covered so much ground 
from uh, transitioning careers to planning kind of thoughtfully and methodically to mental health, to physical health, to play, um, to curiosity, creativity, um, travel, right? Financial, all this kind of stuff. And, and that it all culminates together. I ask everybody this final question, um, which is how would you define true health? Ooh, true health. Let's see. Take your time. I know it's a doozy. To me, I think just because I have had, you know, mental health challenges in the past, I think true health to me is waking up in the morning and getting out of bed and being really excited for my day, which is like what I feel right now. Like I love to wake up. I love to like work on the things that I'm working on. I love to see my friends. I love to, you know, make food and have all these new experiences. Like I'm genuinely excited to go wake up. And I don't feel like, I think a lot of people just look forward to the end of the day and just are like, I can't wait to go to bed. Like, I don't feel that way. And I think that that's like, to me, that's true health. It's like my favorite part of the day is like doing the things that I want to do and not just getting in bed and going to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful. And that is so spot on to the message you're, you're spreading. Mm -hmm. um, I think more people need to check out your work. I think what you're doing is so valuable. And I just think we need more people like you in the world. So thank you for doing everything you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy that we got to uh, to meet and to do this. Yeah. So for anybody listening, where can they check out your work, check out the book? Um, we're going to put, for anybody listening, links in the episode notes. So be sure to check it out there. But um, anywhere they should go specifically. Sure. So our website is experientialbillionaire.com. But you can also find the book on Amazon. Um my personal site is bridgethilton.com. That's my speaking site. So I do a lot of keynote speaking and um, all of my other work is on there. So yeah, and follow me on uh, on Instagram if you want. I don't do really like a lot of social media other than that. So yeah, <laughs> you want to connect. A happy life. Part of, a, <laughs> part of a happy life is not too much social media. Yeah. Um, everybody listening, check out the book, get a copy, um, check out our website. And thank you so much. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you. You too.